Hello and welcome to another One Youth Devo with Jamie and Patrick. We are kicking off our little July summer series on Wednesday mornings on the Devo, and we're calling this Rules for the Road. Checking out what Jesus was doing when he was out on the road, doing ministry, what he was talking about, what he was teaching, who he was healing, stuff like that. And, you know, Jamie, to kick this off, rules of the road, what is the best road trip you've ever been on? Oh, man. I, you know, I've been on some epic road trips um, all over the place. Even recently, I was just on a road trip. I just finished driving back from Illinois. And I'm going to say that, um, I don't know how epic this would be, but we did see some epic things. We went to, on our trip to Illinois, uh, we went to the world's largest truck stop in Iowa. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So world's largest truck stop. How big is the world's largest you know, truck stop? It's really big, but it's kind of hard to tell because if you're in a regular car, you just park in a special lot and you can walk in and check out like just in just inside the the truck stop. There's like a full service restaurant. There's a movie theater. You can get a haircut. You can there's like showers for the truckers, I guess. They have a full museum. They have a full size truck that's inside. They have all sorts of crazy stuff in the full size truck stop. And so uh, in the world's largest truck stop. But the thing that makes it the world's largest, I think, is they have like a ton of parking spots for trucks. And that's on the other oh. side. So you go behind it and it is just filled with semi-trucks. Like totally filled. It sounded like you were describing just like a little Midwest Midwest town or something, not an actual truck stop. It feels like it's as big as a town. It feels like kind of like a small shopping mall that you're going into, which is a little crazy and it's it was, you know, it was it was somewhat busy, a lot of junk that they would sell you you could buy. It was it was good. You know, we also um on a similar trip the summer before went to I don't think it's the world's largest gas station, but it has like 90 gas pumps. Oh my gosh. And it's wow. it's outside of Vegas. It's between like Vegas and LA. Uh, we went to that. I wouldn't recommend going to that one because gas is like twice the price for some reason. A novelty gas station. That's right. That is right. <laughs> That's novelty crazy. gas station. Cool. Well, rules of the road. You know, Jesus, when he traveled, most of the time it was by walking. So no cars. I'm sure Jesus experienced a lot and witnessed a lot. And so we're going to kind of check out a little story of Jesus leaving Galilee and what happens. So we're going to read out of John chapter four, and we're going to read verses 43 through 54, the very end of John John chapter four. I'll read it for us today. Okay. How about that? Sounds great. I'll I'll take a stab at this one. There There we we go. go. There we go. John chapter four. After two days, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet had no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son laid sick at Capernaum. When the man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son. 
who was close to death. Unless you people see the signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday, at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lots of traveling. Lots of traveling going on here. Starting at the top, after two days, he left for Galilee. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet had no honor in his own country. Now, Jamie, I'm kind of confused by that little statement. It seems like it was just kind of thrown in there. In my Bible, it's in parentheses. Like, what What does that verse mean right there? Yeah, it's kind of weird. It does seem like it's kind of thrown in there. We, we hear this verse before that a prophet has no honor in their um, country. My Bible has a little thing on the side that says that we hear that in Matthew 13, 57, and where Jesus actually says a prophet is not, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and his own home. Um, that's also said... Um, in Luke chapter four twenty four, truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. So Jesus actually has gone into his hometown before. And, you know, I think it says in, in one um, of the gospels that the miraculous signs and things that he, he had done, it says he couldn't do them in his own hometown, at least like not to the full extent that it was happening in some other areas. So in some areas, Jesus would show up and he would heal people and I think it even says in, in some uh, uh, of the Gospels that he healed everyone. Like he healed all who had sicknesses and disease. But when he went into his hometown, it actually says that he couldn't or that because of the people's faith or their lack of faith, that um, he couldn't actually perform the signs. Because a lot of times when Jesus performs signs, he tells people like your faith has healed you. It's hmm. the, it's not, he doesn't come up there and says, and say, my awesome power has healed you. Uh, and now you're better because I'm so awesome, which is true. Jesus is awesome. But it's when people show these signs of faith in God, that they end up getting this, this kind of unleashing of God's Holy spirit when Jesus is present. So their faith hmm. in Jesus is what leads to cool things happening. Um, yeah. And so what we see is that, you know, Jesus, right, says, now Jesus himself had pointed out the prophet has no honor in his own country. And, and I think what that means and probably what's what people are paying attention to is that people see him and they're like, hey, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this the boy mm. that we knew? Like, you know, maybe even one mm. of the ladies of the town is like, I changed that guy's diapers. Like, what? Yeah. He thinks he's like a big deal now? And I think that's just true in general. You know, people, when you go to your hometown where you grow up, people remember you like sometimes as a boy or they remember you as a little kid or they remember you as whatever they've kind of thought that you were. Now, right. Jesus has now become this rabbi and people are thinking, oh, now actually he's like, now he's a prophet. And so they think they know him. But the reality of it is, is they don't really know him. 
It's the people who have faith in him as God who really know him. So that's kind of what's going on. And to continue into this next verse, verse 43 actually says they left to go to Galilee. Verse 45, he arrives in Galilee and the Galileans welcomed him. Galilee is kind of like a county or a region, right? It's like a grouping of little cities. I think there's like 10 or 11 little cities that are in Galilee. And so like verse 46, it says, once more he visited Cana in Galilee. So Cana is like cities. one of the little cities that's in Galilee. And so, you know, we even hear of Galilee in, in the scripture where, and I forget which scripture it is, where um, someone says like, Galilee, can anything good come out of, come out of Galilee? Um, Nazareth, like Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, that's kind of hard to say, uh, is in Galilee. And so like, it's kind of a region, but it's sort of known as being like, not the like most progressive, awesome, amazing town. It's kind of more like the backwoods, like no one really, like it's just like a small region. So that's where the story's taking place. Yes, that is, that's where this is happening. And that's why it's confusing. So like, how are you going to know that? Like if you hear they're going to Galilee and then they go to Cana and Galilee, like what is that? Is this two different places? What's happening? Now it makes sense. Yeah. So now... Now, what stands out to me in the next verse, you know, it says, verse 46, the second half, and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Now, I think royal official in these times, someone who probably wouldn't necessarily be out running to meet someone, right? Like right. a royal official will probably say, oh, I'm going to have someone else go and my messenger go do it because this royal official had some some social status, some, some leadership. Uh, so it's significant when I read this to see like, well, okay, like obviously this son, the royal official's son is the most important person in, in to him right then and there that the official himself is running to yeah. meet Jesus. And it yes. seems like he had to run kind of a long ways because we, later on the, in the verse, um, he finds out like, Oh, his son got better at one in the afternoon. But, and it says yesterday at one in the afternoon. So this Royal official ran about a day to meet Jesus, which Whoa. is really, really, really significant. But it shows that, this man's like vision um, shifted where, you know, everything was about him to everything was about his faith. We kind of see that happen. That hmm. shift happen later on. That, yeah. The, no, that's good. I mean, you think about it right now, right? You think of like maybe some of the most important people, you know, uh, people who are a big deal, um, people who, um, you know, like, I think of like right now with a lot of COVID stuff going on, they've been doing like news reports and you have all these important officials who are in front of cameras who are saying important things. You don't see them running down the streets. Right. Right. Uh, They usually are standing still wearing nice outfits, looking very official and people are coming to them. Just like you said, they're not going to people. So this Royal official is, is at kind of like, his wits end. And I wonder how much has he already done? So like if I had a kid who was sick, really sick, close to death sick, I would be in the emergency room, right? I'd go to the hospitals. If that's not working, right? Like the hospitals, it's not working. Then, you know, what do, what do people do? What would they normally do? 
And I've heard of some folks who've had kids who have been sick and close to death and even have died. And they've done things like going to other countries where there's different types of medicine. And um, I heard of a guy who went all the way to South America to like a spiritual healer person uh, who was supposed to heal them. And people go to like these extreme measures to find healing, especially if it's for a family member who's sick. And, mm-hmm. you know, like sometimes you hear that and you're like, oh, well, you know, maybe that worked for him. Um, in this situation, this, per- this guy is so desperate. He doesn't know right. who to go to. And he has, mm-hmm. if he's an official, he has access probably to whoever the best doctors are. He has access to uh, people to pray for him. He has access to, um, you know, other important people who could maybe do something to help. But he decides that he needs to go to Jesus. And for him to run and beg as a royal official is also um, something that's out of line for him to probably experience as well. And then while, you know, knowing that his son is about to die and all the emotions are flowing with that, laying down, begging in front of Jesus. And Jesus says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Yeah. Now, that that is like an encouragement, but also kind of a challenge. Yeah. Right. So, and I've like heard the the talk and the debate about this passage before is when did this royal official start believing? Was it when Jesus said that? Was it when he found out that his son was going to live? I don't know. It's kind of an interesting uh, concept to think about. Yeah, and it's a really interesting concept because Jesus addresses the guy with a plural verb, right? Or he says, you, unless you all people, right? Unless all of mm-hmm. you see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, he's telling the guy, you all, the second plural, you all will never believe. So yeah. what's crazy is Jesus isn't just addressing this one person. He's addressing this person and the people who are connected to him. Isn't that crazy? Right. Yeah. So, like, unless you, all you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told the one guy, he didn't tell all of the people, he told the one guy, he didn't tell them, he told him, you will never believe. And it's kind of a crazy phrase to even say. So the royal official comes back and says to him, right, like, sir, come down before my child dies. So he addresses him, um... He says, sir, but, you know, the other way you could translate that word would be Lord. That's normally how we translate, right? Lord, come down. Come down to where I live. Come down to be with with me before my child dies. And Mm -hmm. um, it's it's really one of those, like, passionate pleas that this guy's making, right? And what's weird is, like, this guy has already done all this running. Jesus, in, in some cases goes to people's houses to heal them. He goes to the tomb to call Lazarus out of the grave. Jesus goes to people. Like, that's what he's about. He doesn't do that here. He doesn't yeah. go. Right? He he even sends the guy away. He, <laughs> he Yeah. Jesus he, tells the guy, to, the royal official to go. He right. says, go, your son will you live. Go. And <laughs> Yeah, and then, then the man left. It says the man took Jesus as his, at his word and departed. Right. You know, Jesus didn't have to do anything more than just say, you know, five words, go, your son will live. And that was it. That's all, that's all that Jesus needed to do. 
And here's what's cool is like, so this guy is a royal official, which means he's in charge of other people. He's in charge of making stuff happen. And he approaches Jesus and he begs and he's humble and he recognizes Jesus as being mm-hmm. powerful. And Jesus proves that he's powerful, right? Jesus doesn't say, well, I'm going to have to go, you know, figure this out. I'm going to have to go myself and fix it. Jesus just basically is like, I got this taken care of. I've got my people who are going to heal him too. Right. Um, Jesus shows that he actually has more power and more authority and more official status uh, than this guy has. And he gives him that word, right? Your son will live. Wow. The craziest part of this is the next is the second half of verse 50 to me. The man took Jesus at his word and he went, I think the Royal official kind of understood like, Hey, I'm not going to get any, any further. You know, I'm not going to convince Jesus to come to my house. So I think he probably realized, yeah, okay. Um, took him at his word and believed him and left. And imagine what that walk would have been like, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Until halfway through, because it says, you know, halfway at about halfway at home, his servants met up with him with the news that his boy was living. Like that, that means that there is a significant amount of time where he's probably walking alone, probably not running anymore. Probably maybe like confused. I I would certainly be probably a little hopeless and a little confused. Just like, I don't know what just happened. I ran all this way. I was told to go and everything was going to be okay. Uh, It'd be, you know, a challenging, challenging time, like challenge of faith for sure. And, you know, I, I I just think about this too. Like sometimes dads, uh, they have different ways of dealing with things. Like sometimes like, you know, if a kid gets hurt or sick, dad runs in and plays a superhero and tries to save the day. Sometimes yeah. when things get hard, dads are like, they're like, Whoa, let's let mom deal with this. Cause moms really know what they're doing. Uh, they'll right. save the day. Or sometimes dads are like, I'm going to go get the right person and I'm going to fix this problem. So this guy probably is the kind of dad who's like, I'm going to go fix this problem. I'm going to go find the right person and we're going to you know, make this person well. If this man didn't have faith and thought, well, my son's a goner no matter what, he probably would have just said, I, I, maybe I'll just spend the last couple of days that my kid has alive uh, with my kid. Instead, he's yeah. like, no, I'm going to take this, this risk. I'm going to go out there. And, you know, he could have, if this was a bad risk, he could have missed you know, his chance to see his kid for the last day. That's pretty harsh thought, but like that could have been his reality instead. Yeah. It's, that's not the reality. Instead, you know, he, he does realize that his son is gonna, is gonna live when he gets that word, but that walk back home, you wonder how fast he was going or maybe how slow he was going or, you know, it was, he dreading what was he was going to see or was he ready to celebrate? But then, you know, ultimately he does get to celebrate. You know, he finds out that his son is living and he inquires as to when the fever left his son. And everyone says yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And the royal official connected the dots and realized that that was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and the whole household believed. And I think that John picked up kind of on what you're saying about the superhero, I'm going to fix it dad versus the really like loving, I'm going to like be here every moment dad, because it goes from royal official at the beginning of the passage to father at the end. 
Hmm. Um, and there's seems like there's a sh- little bit of a shift in character in yeah. the father royal official. But also, like Jesus acknowledged that from the very beginning, unless your people see the signs and wonders, you will never believe. It says the father's entire household believed. Yes. They all saw something miraculous happen. The father was able to say, that's exactly when I was speaking to Jesus. Yes. And that is where all of the um, the faith in Christ was stemmed from. And so you wonder, right? Jesus tells him to go. This man becomes an evangelist. In, <laughs> yeah. In, like before he even has his own faith, like God's calling him to spread the word. And it, where is it? It's to his household first. Uh, right. I know a lot of people, um, and we have people in our youth group who they come to know the Lord, like God meets them and that's great. And it's good, you know, uh, but their family doesn't know God. And so right. they have a really hard time figuring out how do I share my faith with my family, with the people who are in my household. Um, and I'll, I'll just be honest. These are the hardest people to share faith with. And Jesus admits it from the beginning of this passage, right? He says, you know, in a prophet in their hometown, right? This is, this is the hardest place. Um, yeah. People aren't wow, going to have yeah. faith because they think they know you. Um, which is why I think when, when you make a decision to follow Jesus, when you have that faith, when you understand that God loves you and cares for you, has a plan for you, uh, and that God forgives you of all of your sin, past, present, and future, and that you get a chance to live for God, when you fully understand that, when that hits you and that hits you hard, um, living a life that honors God is going to be super important in your household because your heart is going to be for your family. Your heart is going to be that your family knows God, that they're living into that new reality, that God is working in their lives. And and so when that happens in your life, hopefully... um, that's happened for some of you who are listening and you have kids or you have parents or you have siblings who don't know God. Um, our culture today would say, no, everyone's an individual. Everyone needs to just make their own choice. You know, if they want to believe in God, that's their choice, not my choice. I don't, I just shouldn't even talk about it. Um, and I would say that's not really the way that our society works. We depend on each other for stuff, right? You probably Mm -hmm. depend on your mom and your dad to make sure that there is food in the refrigerator in your house. You depend on your mom and your dad to pay the bills so that you're allowed to be in your house so that you can pay the mortgage or that you own your house or that you rent your house or whatever, whatever your living situation is. Uh, And your mom and your dad probably depend on you to do things too. Um, Something as simple as like going to school. They depend on you to do that. Uh, Taking care of, you know, some basic things in the house like, they depend on you. Maybe you have an animal that you have to, you know, take care of. And so when it comes to salvation and faith, we as people are more connected in community than we, than we think. And that's why we need to care for each other. That's why we need to say about like the cool stuff that God is doing. And I think that's why Jesus sends this guy back and doesn't go with him. He sends him back so that this cool moment can happen where everyone realizes that it is Jesus and they have this faith and they have um, this faith that, that leads them to this belief. Uh, and it's a pretty cool thing to see a whole household. Now, back then a household 
especially of a rich person or an official, would have probably most likely slaves in it. And slavery was a, an interesting thing. Um, it was not, I mean, in some ways, I, I don't think it was similar to slavery that we saw in, especially in the South in the United States, um, where you had, you know, plantations and people who were, who were slaving or who were working as slaves, um, doing physical labor and trading and all that slavery back in this era, someone, if you were like hard up on money, you could sell yourself into slavery or sell a family member into slavery for a certain Mm -hmm. amount of time. So basically you'd say, I'm going to be your slave for five years to pay off a debt. Or Mm -hmm. you could say, um, I'm going to give you my kid as a slave who's going to be in your household. Like it's crazy to even think about it. Right. Um, but you had people who were part of these households and, and a slave actually in this era could end up being a part of a will for someone in their household, which is a crazy, uh, a crazy idea and concept too, that if you died, uh, you would end up, or if, you know, the owner of the house died and they didn't have someone in line to take the money, um, like a son, the head servant of the household would end up becoming the owner. Hmm. Uh, kind of a weird deal. You know, slavery is, is different. Now, was slavery not good? Yeah, slavery wasn't good. Um, slavery isn't good now. It wasn't necessarily uh, uh, any better back then because it was kind of a harsh time or a harsh place. But when someone talks about their household, it's not just their siblings. It is everyone who is kind of economically connected to that household. And so when we think about that, the household doesn't mean just mom, dad, and some siblings. It probably means multiple family units who are all attached to this and they all believe. So a great indicator of this is who is the one who's running to tell the good news? Well, it's the servant um, is the one who who gets to be the one who's running. Uh, So who knows? We don't know how many people that would be. Who were right. sa- who were uh, who were saved? Who had this belief? But it's still significant, and Jesus called it, and gave the royal official specific instructions on what to do. And because he followed through, the whole household believed. And so, what's our rule for the? Uh, what's our rule of the road for this one? Make sure that you're always using uh, your eyes. You need to see signs and wonders. Because right. if you don't, if you don't see signs and wonders and recognize that's Jesus, you will never believe. If you don't Keep use your eyes on the road, you're gonna you're gonna crash that car. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. I like that's it. The rule. I like it. That's a good one. Keep the eyes open. Cool. All right. Well, hey Pat, thanks for doing another Devo. Um, I hope everyone out there is gonna get a chance to hear all of these rules of the road and be sure to check in for another one coming up soon. <laughs>